not so long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Episode 4, A New Hope. The sophomore scholars find themselves transported to the distant planet of Arrakis, where they find House Atreides under attack by a coup led by House Harkonnen. The leader of House Atreides, Duke Leto, is dead, causing Arrakis to plunge into chaos. Paul Atreides, son of Leto and the new Duke, finds himself, his mother, and anyone still loyal to him on the run as the Harkonnens and the ruthless soldiers of the Emperor, the Sardaukar, mercilessly pursue them through the massive deserts of Dune. The stage is set for an epic clash between two opposite sides in one of the greatest modern-day sci-fi novels, Dune by Frank Herbert. Hello everyone, hope you enjoyed that nerdy intro, and welcome to the Sophomore Scholars Podcast, and we are your hosts, Tanish and Matthew. I must say, the intro was actually pretty nice. Uh, I'm really starting to get into the Star Wars slash otherworldly feeling. Did somebody say Star Wars? Oh no. Luke, I am your father. This always happens. Okay, well, I should have seen that one coming. Anyway, I'll take his place for a bit while he tries to return to Earth. On today's episode, A New Hope, we'll be understanding the deeper meaning within Dune, written by Frank Herbert. Matthew will be examining the book using Marxist criticism, while I will be examining the book using feminist criticism. Okay, Matthew, can we get this podcast rolling with Marxist theory, please? Yes, Sire Kothopoly, I will be applying Marxist theory. In Dune, there are four major factions. You have the Padishah Emperor and his fanatic soldiers, the Sardaukar, the Guild, and the many major and minor houses. And finally, you have well, everybody else, who most likely work or live as part of the aforementioned factions. The Emperor and his soldiers, as well as the houses, represent what Karl Max called the aristocracy, as they act as the nobility of Dune as they control planets, land, and command the working class. The guild functions as a mix of the bourgeoisie and the aristocracy as they control the monopoly over all space travel within and between planets and systems. You have everybody else who are the proletariat as they either directly or indirectly work for the guild, emperor, or any of the houses. Wow, Matthew. Um, thank you for the in-depth analysis. However, I have a couple more questions if you don't mind answering them. Yeah, go right ahead. So, which class does the major character belong to and how does that impact and or affect their personalities, beliefs, and lives, and actions, and hopes, and fears? So the main character is Paul uh, Atreides. And he belongs to the aristocracy as he is the son of the head of House Atreides, Duke Leto. His father is assassinated in a coup that was led by House Harkonnen. His father dying so abruptly thrust him into becoming the Duke, which caused him to mature very rapidly in order to fill the gap his father's death left. It also causes him to develop a desire for revenge against the Harkonnens, which leads him to cooperate and befriend the Freemen, who are the native inhabitants of Arrakis, otherwise known as Dune which is the setting of the book, you know, where the title of the book. Moving on. <laughs> Before his father died, Halsich Atreides, to a certain extent, and to a certain extent Paul, looked down on the Freemen as they were seen as savages, not even worthy of being a part of the proletariat. I found it interesting that the death of one person can cause people from two different classes to become so intertwined. Nice job, but I have one more question. Uh, how does the bourgeoisie and the aristocracy promote based on their own self-interest? 
Okay, so you have the Padishah Emperor, who promotes his own self-interest by utilizing his fanatic soldiers, the Saratakar, to eliminate, scare, and manipulate others to do his bidding. An example is when he assists House Harkonnen in their coup by deploying a group of his Saratakar to ensure House Atreides is crushed. The guild promotes based on their self-interest by taxing and controlling who can space travel and what people can bring. They wield this power by charging the Harkonnens an inconceivable amount of money to transport their army to Arrakis. Finally, both the major and minor houses promote their own self-interest by using the proletariat as labor to build additional infrastructure and utilizing their private militaries to attack one another for more planets and territory. Okay, thank you, Matthew, for clearing up the few questions I had. But before we move on to the next theory, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor today. The sponsor of this episode of the Sophomore Scholars podcast is Dune 2000. You might be wondering, hey, what's, what's Dune 2000? I'm glad you asked. So, Dune 2000 is a real-time strategy game where you are placed in the ever-expansive Dune universe. There are many missions throughout the game, such as harvesting enough spice, or the classic, destroy everything. There are different difficulty levels that allow newcomers and veterans of the genre alike. If this interests you, click the link in the description of the podcast to be sent to a website where you can download the game for absolutely free. Once again, thank you for Dune 2000 for sponsoring this episode of the Sophomores Scholars Podcast. Wow, I must say, I, I'm really impressed you managed to land a sponsorship for this abomination of a podcast. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think we'd manage to get one either, especially one that actually relates to the book. Speaking of which, let's get back on track. I remember you telling me you wanted to apply feminist theory. So my first question is, what does the text reveal about the social and political impacts of the patriarchy? So in Dune, women are a part of society, yet their roles fall below males. Women were mainly prized for their appearances and their ability to form political connections. In medieval society, princesses from one kingdom marry kings from another kingdom to form an alliance between the two kingdoms. Similarly, in Dune, the dukes married women from one power source to another power source to form alliances among themselves. Even though Paul loved a free man, Chani, and he refused to marry her because he needed to marry a princess from another one of the great houses to gain power. Meaning that even if a woman loved a man, she could never be called his wife, at least not officially. And if you are married to a man, that means the man doesn't love you, but instead is only marrying you for the benefits of his power. Ah, okay. Thanks for that insight. Um, so moving on. So as you know, the book was written by Frank Herbert, a male author. So how does he portray or describe women, and what does this reveal about the society in which he lived? Good question. So, Dune was published about two decades after World War II, a time when women were transitioning into the workforce, when women were leaving the house and started to join the workforce to support their families and taking jobs that were previously thought only for men. Yet, even though they were a part of the workforce, women were still viewed as lesser than males. This was directly translated into Dune. For example, Lady Jessica possesses the same abilities and tools as uh, Duke Leto, or her husband, and arguably she was even more powerful due to the training she gained, uh, due to the power she gained from her Ben Jesuit training, but is viewed lesser than her husband due to her being a woman. Also similarly to the time uh, Frank Herbert lived in, most women did not have any important authoritative positions, and in Dune, 
Lady Jessica, even though she was the wife of Duke Leto, had few authoritative powers, unlike her husband. Well, thank you for clarifying and answering my questions. Well, folks, I think that's all we have time for today. In this episode, we use Marxist and feminist criticisms as lenses to allow us to gain a deeper insight into Dune by Frank Herbert. And remember to check the description where you can find um, the link to download a free copy of Dune 2000 and support this podcast in the process. And with all that out of the way, may the Force be with you, and we will see you in, in the, the next, next one. one.